2: PlushCare.com weight loss.
3: The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie.
4: Tuesday morning, the 6th of June. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. There is much annoyance in the Green Party with Fine Gael's lack of buy-in to the EU nature restoration law. The Taoiseach Leo Varadkar says in some cases the law goes too far and is not practicable. Fine Gael MEPs and their European group, the EPP, have walked away from talks. It is
5: regrettable that some parties in the European Parliament have set their faces against it. And in doing so, deprived themselves of the ability to influence and improve it.
4: Green Party Minister of State Pippa Hackett speaking in the Dáil last week. If the Minister was taking a swipe at Fine Gael in those comments, her colleague Brian Ledden didn't pull any punches. This is what the Green Party TD had to say about Finnegale and Sinn Féin.
2: Time and again, politics has yielded and bowed to the most effective lobbying effort in Europe. And so we have seen with the debate on the nature restoration law. We see the EPP of which Fine Gael are a member in Europe walk out of talks today. We see Sinn Féin, the main opposition party, joining forces with Fine Gael in Europe. When it comes to seriousness on nature restoration, it seems that these parties, Sinn Féin and Fine Gael, are tweedledum and tweedledee. It is po- impossible to tell them apart and it is shameful and pitiful that they have yielded to the interests of the few over the many. I say this with utter dismay because I have regard for my colleagues across this house. But Corle, it is mind-boggling that politicians are railing against restoring nature here and in Europe and are fighting to defend a broken system a system of overproduction and in excessive intensification.
4: That's Brian Ledden. Another Green Party TD and Minister of State Malcolm Noonan wrote about this in uh, the Sunday Independent this week. So, why do some TDs and MEPs insist that nature restoration law is a death knell for rural Ireland? He asked. Could it be that they are racing each other to the bottom of a diminishingly narrow political funnel in the hope? Of a vote. It is no coincidence, the minister said, that the extreme position taken by some MEPs in the European Parliament to stop the law is occurring a year out from the European and local elections at a time when we're seeing the most agriculturally productive regions of Italy and Spain destroyed by extreme floods and droughts. This Malcolm Noonan said, is irresponsible at best. Pauline O'Reilly is a Green Party senator and chair of uh, the Green Party and joins us now. And A very good morning to you and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme. It's clear there is some tension between the Green Party and your partners in government, Fine Gael, How serious is this?
0: Good morning, Michael. Well, look, I hope I can provide some clarity, although it is difficult to understand the position that these MEPs are taking. Um, and I believe that that Commissioner Mairead McGuinness was was on radio this morning and seems to be much uh, much more disposed to to this nature restoration law, um, but her MEPs in the same party, seem to be uh, going astray.
4: Well, she has um, to ask, act independently of her partner exactly. as a, a commissioner, a, and it is her law, one which mm. her her party and her former colleagues uh, oppose, they've walked out of the talks. And Malcolm Noonan says that's irresponsible. Uh, we heard Brian Ledden uh, really uh, talk in, in offensive terms uh, uh, about both Fine Gael and Sinn Féin, uh, Tweedledum and Tweedledee.
0: Look, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that um, I am in any way aligned to Fine Gael on this. Or indeed, Sinn Féin both have been acting shamefully these last few months. And it's coming to crunch point now where they voted against the nature restoration law committee. There'll be another vote again, again next week and indeed the week after. And we'll have to see what they do at that point. But um, I think that what's very, very clear is that these parties are, you know, operating with their eyes closed um, and pretending these, you know, it's a right-wing kind of political um, attempt to pretend that nothing needs to change and that we can go on with business as usual when we know that 80% of the habitats across Europe are in a bad state, that we have 1,677 species that are nearing extinction. And it is now the time to act. It's beyond time to act. Um, and voting down anything that could actually support not just nature, but support a future for agriculture, because agriculture, remember, depends on nature. Um, I think is is highly irresponsible. And um, and it is about vote getting, in my view. It is about um, pure short-term politics and not thinking about future generations. Both of farmers but also um of of people right across the country and uh, and so we, we we will demand better um, and we were we did participate in a demonstration outside of the doll last week and we'll continue to mount that pressure because if MEPs think that um, what they do in Europe people in Ireland don't see well uh, well, well, we, we think that, that the Irish people deserve to see what's going on.
4: Right. Uh, I think uh, the assumption was that the government parties were at one on this and supported the EU restoration law until the Fine Gael MEPs took their stance. And then the Taoiseach went on to say that there's elements of the law that just go too far. Did that surprise you?
0: I mean, what we're doing in Ireland, what we signed up to in Ireland, is actually <clears throat> um, is actually the same, and it you know it's not that much different to to what the nature restoration law says. Um, but this would make it binding. And indeed, last year at COP, um, all you know the countries that were participating agreed to restoration of thirty percent of the land um, for for nature by twenty thirty. And let's let's remember that this is 20% this nature restoration law. And it's not, you know, taking land away from anyone. It's just uh, leaving it in a better state. So actually we're doing, you know, either better agricultural processes or using our state land because the majority of it would be state land in a way that restores nature, that, uh, you know, improves soil quality, improves our waterways. And where we'll see more birds and uh, more species of insects come back to the land that will actually help to drive food production as well in the so, right way
4: so is the Taoiseach misguided or is he just simply wrong when he says parts of the law go too far
0: well i mean i don't agree with the Taoiseach on that at all uh, we're, we're completely divergent in our views on that if that is the Taoiseach's view because um, this is critical now. And I think younger generations know that it's critical that we get mm. this right. But I mean, nature but, restoration law itself is, you know, it, 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 of course it's ambitious. It has to be ambitious, but it's perfectly achievable. Mm. And in fact, the, the parts.
4: Well, people you know, would say that our, our, our position now is ambitious. Uh, but as things stand if we were to implement all of uh, the policies the EPA said last week we'd only reach 29% uh, reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 instead of the target of 51% Uh, that's if we were to implement all of the policies but if if we continue uh, on the same uh, track that we're on at the moment that 29% would be even less it would only result in 11% of a reduction
0: well, just to say on the twenty-nine percent, because and and look at this. I suppose the reduction in our climate emissions is is you know a little bit different to the nature restoration piece. But on the climate emissions, twenty-nine percent. It doesn't include there are many things that it doesn't include. It doesn't include um, some parts of of industry or indeed some parts of agriculture. And then the land use review hasn't been done yet. So. If of all of that, it would bring it up to 42%, which is still, you know, it's still off the 51%.
4: That, that's if we were sure. to implement everything. The EPA's figure of 29% uh, was well, on the basis that we did what we said we would do, but we're not doing that at the moment. In fact, emissions are increasing. Uh, and they say that if we continue as we are, uh, we'll only see 11% reduction.
0: Yeah, but they they in their calculations didn't include everything. So, so if you no, I understand. But you're, not get percent, from but, 11, but you're not
4: going to get from eleven percent to fifty one percent, are you?
0: Well, I well that this is why we have to we have to keep course. We have to. Uh, we are turning the ship now. Um, Ireland is one of the best in the world when it comes to uh, renewables, but uh, we have to keep ramping that up. And uh, we we believe that we are on track for eighty percent reduction in emissions or 80% renewables by uh, 20
6: hmm.
0: by 2030. But there are other elements, you know, transport, for instance, as you know, we're ramping up uh, bus routes, one extra bus route across rural Ireland per week. But we have to make sure that that continues and continues under future governments. And this is why we were concerned about Sinn Féin as well. I mean, it's no secret that Sinn Féin are... Very, very poor on climate, always have been. But again, they voted against the nature restoration law in Europe. So, um, you know, these are the things. It's the politics of it that's actually making things more difficult,
4: yeah, um, or, I, I, I or, or think,
5: can make. Things I, I more think
4: Sinn Féin has been it? arguing for a just transition, and it would say that it has sound environmental policies. Quite obviously, uh, at odds at odds with how at odds with how you would view them. Uh, but where. The big issue uh, is with uh, this nature restoration law is with rewetting, isn't it? And the target's 7.5% of land to be retted, re-wetted by 2030, 25% by 2040, 35% by 2050. Uh, isn't it probable that the Taoiseach is right to say that th- re-wetting 35% of land by 2050 is not practicable?
0: Well yeah, I mean I think that this is this is the bit this is the crunch point really here. I mean it, it's actually very, very achievable target and, and indeed Ireland will, will hit that twenty thirty target within the next year, I suspect, or or next two. Um it is achievable, but I, I actually think that there's a lot here of playing up to big agribusiness rather than actually looking at the reality where the reality is that certainly the twenty thirty target and most of the twenty forty targets can be achieved. On uh, state land, and that anything beyond that, uh, and indeed our twenty, the twenty forty or the twenty fifty targets, like that, that is by providing voluntary schemes so that farmers can actually and um, get paid, um, mm. for, the, you know, the, for
4: good if, if they volunteer to do it, what happens? Do, what, what, happens it was, what happens if they don't volunteer to do it? Because there are legally binding targets for drained agricultural peatland uh, under this law, are there not?
0: every single scheme and every sing- single um, environmental scheme that the government puts in place is always oversubscribed by farmers farmers are not shown to be wanting when it comes to signing up for voluntary schemes in ireland that, that's just not well reality. i think
4: farmers so I, I think farmers are, are saying in, in very long complicated sentences show us the color of your money they don't know how this is going to work and i, I think uh, to some extent it's a matter of negotiation
1: and
0: I think that this is the this is the worry that farmers have, and I don't think that it's helpful therefore for politicians to be stoking that to suggest that farmers, you know, somehow won't be supported, one hundred percent. And to, to stop
4: it, to stop uh, farming their land in some cases.
0: Well, you know, rewetting doesn't necessarily mean stopping but but, farming. It, but it, will require,
4: it will require it will require change well it well, yeah. will require ceasing to farm on some land and it will require significant change growing blueberries instead of potatoes on other lands.
0: Well, you can also graze because in the summer, you, do, you know, the, the water table is such that you can still graze. So, you know, it's a matter of, of, joy, of, you know, of doing both types. And um, I think it's an oversimplification to talk about blueberries. But, you know, there are other types of farming. But like, let's be, let's be really, really clear about this. Unless we make changes... To the types of practices that we have, and there are lots of farmers who are, you know, mm. who are farming absolutely in in uh, tandem with nature in Ireland, um, and they they sign up in their droves to to as I say schemes. But like the the bogs and the peatlands in Ireland store as much carbon as the whole of the Amazon rainforest, and that's in our tiny island. So we have huge potential here in Ireland for. Mm you know, using our bogs as carbon sinks. And and indeed, uh, Borden and Mona has done huge work in that. And then secondly, having a really, really rich natural environment. And I mean, you only have to look at from when we were kids and the amount of insects that there were compared to now, Like, there's no comparison, you know, and and I don't think that it is fair for children growing up in Ireland not to make this change, a change that actually um,
4: helps growth and it's a very laudable argument you're, you're making it's not one that I'm arguing uh, against but it is an argument I, I think you will agree uh, you're losing with uh, the farmers uh, your colleague I don't your think colleague in that terms just of
0: all farmers I don't think that's well, fair well, I don't no, think it of is, course of of co- but, but
4: the vast majority of farmers uh, and just going back to what your colleague Malcolm Noonan said in, in his op-ed in the Sunday independent could it be that the politicians are racing each other to the bottom of a diminishingly narrow political funnel in the hope of of a vote, uh, And that is where this lies, is it not? You don't have the support of the farmers. Fine Gael, for example, are looking for farmers to vote for them. Uh, and Michael Healy Ray told uh, the Taoiseach last week uh, that uh, when it comes to the local elections, far- farmers would be uh, far happier uh, getting the bubonic plague than voting for Fine He might have a point.
0: Well, look, I mean, I don't accept the premise that um, people are are against this. I think that some loud voices are, and you'll see lobbyists particularly from the IFA over in Europe all of the time. But I mean, are they really, you know, those kind of big lobby groups, are they really representative of all farmers? No, they're not. There are a lot of small farmers, a lot of family farms in Ireland that have not been served well by the kinds of policies over the last mm. few decades. And indeed, when Ray McGuinness was into the Shannon, she herself said that, that they have led farming in the wrong direction. No. And it is now about the... Ste- uh, steering the horse in the other way okay. and I know that farmers that, That's
4: an opinion that, that a lot of people wouldn't share and I think a lot of people on would on argue that the IFA and the other farming organisations do represent small farmers uh, and I know I've spoken to a lot of farmers uh, in recent times who don't believe that there's any such thing as climate change and uh, they believe that the weather we're getting at the moment for example is the same sort of weather that they had when there were children and you always have floods and droughts and these sorts of things and uh, they've seen it over their life and it's a whole load of poppycock
0: well a survey from the EPA would show that just as many people in rural Ireland as in urban Ireland care about climate um, we actually in Ireland do have a very high level of people who agree in scientific evidence and so thankfully for the most part it, it, what it's moved on to now is you know what can we do to to reverse things? Okay, well, will is, will fin- well, let
4: me let me ask you the question in a totally different way. Will Finnegay lose votes if uh, they support the targets for rewetting land?
0: Uh, look, all I can say is, from our point of view, um, we're always honest. We always act with integrity. We do put uh, make sure that you know um, that money is put in people's pockets if they if they do make changes. Um, and we can only go out and lay out a stall, which is an honest one with mm. people. That and the future well, you, you, is a greener future. Uh, Whether a, we like it or not, we can be behind everybody else or we can join and be part of a leadership that's uh, As one ever. of
4: the government parties, the Green Party, should be able to deliver on this. And I think that's why people voted for the Green Party when they did.
0: And we are delivering on a huge amount oh, yes. already. But, but on if, this particular if, issue if, if in Finnegal,
4: Europe, If Fine blocks this... Uh, is there a role for the Green Party in government with Fine Gael?
0: The the MEPs when we vote in MEPs and it's for everybody here to to vote uh, MEPs they go to Europe and they are not part of, um, of the doll or the Shannon, and they are not part of the government as such.
4: No, but um, they are. We ex- we're talking we about Fine Gael ex- MEPs, yeah. and we're also talking about their party leader uh, who told to the doll that this, elements of this uh, legislation go too far. Uh, if Fine Gael blocked this, is there a role for the Green Party in government with Fine Gael?
0: well what what we what we have said is that um if it is blocked we would expect that uh, that money will be put in in Ireland in order to pay farmers um in order to make the changes necessary but i do believe that farmers do want to be part of this and um, many already are there's a you know this um the, the life project in in the west of so ireland the, so this has to happen i'm sorry i'm going to i'm going
4: to have to press you on that I, 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 are you saying that this has to happen one way or another under the eu law or if that fails that ireland puts its own measures in place if that doesn't happen uh, well then the green party will have to consider its position in government
5: well we we well, we do we we
0: do believe that it has to happen one way or another mm-hmm. but in the end of the day um you know we, like what we are doing in ireland is actually Pretty close to what this uh, nature restoration mm-hmm. law is already. So, but does the Green you know, Party's position in government measures.
4: hinge on this? Does the Does the Green Party's position you, in government hinge me, on this? You're, you're, yes. you're
0: asking me if we're pulling out a government, government no. over the next year, and I actually think you know that that's not where the conversation is at. The conversation is at is at, is about individual measures. And Fina Gale, who wouldn't even come on well, before, it, to be fair, have you know they mm. they have to be held accountable to their electorate for for failing on this issue. Mm. Um, I can only say from our own point of view in the Green Party, we'll always be honest, we'll always act with integrity, and we have put in more measures than ever before in order to reverse and steer the ship in another direction. And we are doing
4: that. Okay, and so I think you're right to make that point. As
0: to stand up
4: the place. Okay, I think you are right to make the point uh, that uh, we did invite Fine Gael onto the programme. We've been uh, in contact uh, with Fine Gael press office and indeed with individual members of uh, the Octus uh, on numerous occasions since Friday, uh, but uh, we haven't managed to get anybody uh, to discuss this with you unfortunately this morning. Uh, but uh, that is the situation, of course. Uh, we leave that or- door open to Fine Gael if uh, they wish to revisit it in the coming days. But thank you indeed uh, for joining thank us on you the anytime. programme. Thank, thank you. you. That's uh, Green Party Senator Pauline O'Reilly.
0: Michael Reed on, on
4: LMFM. Uh, you remember uh, the drugs feud, the gangland feud between uh, the drugs gangs in Drogheda, the petrol bombs, uh, the attacks, the beatings. The stabbings, the shootings, the killings, and all that went with it, Uh, and indeed all of the promises that followed after one of the most gruesome murders, uh, not just uh, locally or nationally, uh, but anywhere for that matter, Uh, and indeed how Vivian Guerin was asked to take a a look at what's happening in the region and make a number of recommendations, which could lead to change. In Vivian Guerin's report, he highlighted the work uh, that is being done by the Family Addiction Network, providing family support, especially, he said, in the context of drug-related intimidation work and wider family support for addiction-related issues. He highlighted how they have community-based uh, supports to help families who are impacted like this, uh, and that it is part of a, a national network. FASM provides a telephone information support and helpline, and five peer facilitated family group supports in Navan, Drogheda, Cavan, Dundalk, Castleblaney in County Monaghan each week and the groups are led by peers who are trained in facilitation and work to best practice guidelines and standards. Vivian Guerin spoke very highly uh, of the work done by the Family Addiction Network and made the point that they work mainly through voluntary efforts and some funding from the HSE. But that funding, Vivian Guerin said, should be reviewed. Now, we were promised that these recommendations would be implemented. Last week, local Sinn Féin TD for Louth and East Mead, Rory Murakou, asked in the Dáil, what is to be done about providing multi-annual support for the network, core funding on an annual basis for Fasen.
0: I suppose fundamentally the the, the department, we allocate the funding and it's up to the HSE to look at the applications that come in. So if there are difficulties there, I I don't know the exact detail, but it is up to that organisation to work directly with the HSE and the task force to tease through a business plan because really, What I want and what we all want here is to make sure that we are allocating funding into these initiatives that work, that are evidence-based, that go, and and from what you're saying, they work well, they're well-respected within the community.
4: Now that's Minister of State Hildegard Nocton responding to Rory Amuraku. Rory Amuraku joins us now together with Jackie McKenna of FASN. And good morning to both of you. Rory Amuraku, what did you make of the Minister's response to you?
7: Well, it wasn't much of a response. Let's let's be absolutely um, clear. Uh, look, it was that very general governmental response in relation to here are the funding streams, here are the protocols, here's how it operates. But we are way beyond that at this point in time. There's not a community organisation that has stepped um, into the fold where the state wasn't providing services that won't con- That won't complain that it doesn't have multi-annual funding, that it can't be strategic, that sometimes it has to chase money and has to spend a huge amount of time and effort uh, on uh, putting in applications to proposals. But the fact is, at least for a considerable amount of them, they have substantial funding but the fact is the Family Addiction Support Network doesn't and it is operating on the basis of absolute volunteerism and outlier behaviour by Jackie, Gwen and all the rest of them. And look, I, I think the biggest commendation that has been given is the fact the involvement of Christy Mangan when he was the chief superintendent who has stayed on their board since he has retired, and the fact that the Garda Shea are involved in actually fundraisers for this Mm organisation. So what does that tell you? And as you said, the Vivian Guerin, the Drogheda Implementation Board, like everybody accepts the work that is being done by this organisation but look you will fall between yeah, schools between okay. the
8: department of but justice why? But,
4: department why? Of Health. but why but uh, why and the minister is saying they should uh drop a business plan uh, and have the departments look at it why uh, the report from vivian gearan was that their funding would be reviewed uh, and it, it's one of the recommendations we told would be implemented by the Implementation Board. Uh, Why is the Implementation Board not uh, working on getting core funding for And I should mention that we asked uh, the Drogheda Implementation Board to join us today, uh, but no one is uh, available because of annual leave.
7: Look, it's an issue I have brought up and will be bringing up again, obviously, with the Drogheda Implementation Board. But let's be absolutely clear. Government controls the levers in relation to to funding. Look, we all have to make the argument, we all have to... But is it not the role of the implementation
4: it board? I'm it so is, that
7: it that. is definitely the role to, you know, I suppose, highlight the issue and in fairness, this is my attempt to probably relift this issue because it has, it has fallen to, to the wayside to some degree, so we need to make sure that it's back in front and I know that uh, now that Helen McIntyre is back in as Minister for Justice um, she herself is absolutely au fait with the particular issue and I had been promised that there would some level of imagination and creativity. We all understand that uh, money is given to the HSE, that there are particular constraints in relation to that that there will be particular protocols people have to jump through. But let's be absolutely clear. See if we're really serious about an organisation that's doing a huge amount of work Mm. in relation to dealing with families that are under severe pressure, that is one of the conduits right to the guards in relation to people reporting drug debt intimidation. Look, we know the issues that we're dealing with. I can talk about the fact that the North East Regional Drug Task Force and Drugs Task Force money was cut Absolutely. Back in 2008, we're nowhere near the sort of funding we would need to be to deal with the crisis we're dealing with at the minute. And I have yet to see a sufficient amount of creativity, imagination. And this is only for us to keep a service that we have, mm. never mind the services that we need. Look, we all know when people are looking for uh, addiction service in the sense of treatment and all the rest of it, it's a wing and a prayer. If you get in somebody in somewhere, I know the amount of activists that are working in the community that will use yeah. any organisation, that will they will work with people. And in fairness, at times people get in, probably with a certain, let's say, loosening of the rules just to facilitate and to hopefully give someone the opportunity to break that cycle, you know what I mean, and then remove them from the criminal justice system. But the fact is we have an organisation that's playing a Mm. vital part here And it has been failed 100%. Well, let's speak to the, the, the
4: organisation and to Jackie, uh, who I mentioned is on the line. Jackie, good morning to you, and thanks uh, indeed uh, for joining us. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that you have received some funding to employ uh, a worker who uh, will serve Kavanaugh and Monaghan for the next two years under a, a pilot scheme, but there hasn't been an increase in the core funding to Fasten since the Girin report. Uh, I think a, a lot was expected on foot of the publication of that report because we were told all of the recommendations would be implemented. Are you surprised or disappointed at how slow the rate of progress has been?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, disappointed. Well, I'm disappointed to uh, hear Minister Norton's statements and I'm not sure that she's been fully briefed of the ongoing saga of the funding issue for fastening, so you just know, to
4: mention these are prepared statements. Uh, I mean, she wasn't talking on the hoof. Uh, these were statements that she read in the doll that would have been prepared for her by civil servants.
1: yeah, yeah, and I'd just like to put our story across and the background to that as an organisation, our position is crystal clear. We've had meetings with the HSE over the last six years informing them that fastening is unsustainable and volunteering alone and requested core funding for the coordination of the project. In fact, we were one of the we were the first project under Regional Drugs Task Force books to be funded back in 2005 for 5000 euro. And that has increased to seven thousand five hundred and eight ever since. That's what we've been getting. So we've had uh so back in twenty eighteen, we had a very intensive engagement with the HSE um uh, Michelle Donnelly, who was the general manager of the HSC 8 at that time, and she uh, took on to support staff over a three-year period. And she was investing forty thousand approximately for year one and for year two. So year one was to uh, document research because she said if the needs aren't uh, documented, well then it doesn't exist. So you need to evidence them. And then uh, there was twenty-six for year two, for building capacity within the organisation and training and development of uh, services. And year three, unfortunately, sustainability with funding in 2020 never happened as um, Michelle Donnelly was on long-term sick leave. So FASM developed its three-year strategy, the business plan, um, in 2020, uh, and then submitted to the HSE in 2021. And the main objective of that plan was to cement the position of the organisation as a model of best practice in the North East and ensure future sustainability through core funding. And recognising the importance of family support services in the region, Patricia Garland from the Calvin Monaghan area funded Farson for the expansion of peer-led family support services in, into County Monahan. And a new peer-led support service was developed in Catterglaney and uh, ongoing funding from CH01 mm. um, uh, uh, gave us um, access to three new facilitators being trained up and accredited over the last uh, couple of years within the two counties.
4: But the so. core funding you receive is €7,500 Euro a year. Uh, the Garen report was published in March 2021 over two years ago uh, and yes. your core funding then was seven and a half thousand euro Garen recommended over two years ago to review the funding of seven and a half thousand euro that you were receiving then uh, and uh, it hasn't been reviewed or at least it hasn't increased Uh, is that a surprise given all the promises that we heard about the way the recommendations were going to be implemented
1: Yes, it's very very disappointing and At that time, back in 2021, as you know, uh, we were facing closure because of COVID, uh, restricting fundraising and all the rest. And we had an intensive, year-long, relentless um, campaign to try and engage with the HSE. um, In the end, we had to resort to a media campaign to highlight the issue, and it took a letter from the auxiliary bishop of Armagh, Bishop Brutter, to Minister Feehan to uh, discuss the funding crisis. And that happened in October 2021. Yeah, and I
4: remember we spoke to Bishop Ruter about it. We've spoken to Christy Mangan, the former chief superintendent uh, who continues to work with you and so on. Uh, I think the expectation was high uh, at the uh, publication of uh, Vivian Guerin's report in 2021. As Rory said there a moment ago, Helen McEntee returns to her post as the Minister for Justice. We're hoping to speak to to the Minister this week uh, at some point uh, and we'll put that... uh, to her, why after two years has this recommendation not being acted on? Uh, and perhaps uh, we can return to you both uh, at that stage, if that's that okay. That would be
1: magnificent, but I'd just like to say that through the implementation board and the um, efforts of the HSE, CH01 and CH08, and the recent drugs force funding was made available to employed tax family support workers, so while it's for the Kavmonahan area, So it's not what we absolutely need, it is a step in the right direction. We need core funding for the coordination and development of the services as a regional project, because that's what we are. Okay, so uh,
4: we and cannot uh, it's sustain a,
1: ourselves
4: on volunteering. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, I don't know, it just seems ironic that there's funding for Cavan and Monaghan given that this was a report based <laughs> or to look at uh, the problems in the Drogheda region. I'm sure they come into that category, but it does seem ironic nonetheless. That's,
6: that's the problem
7: Michael. Yeah. The fact is, you end up getting bit funding for part of your region from other areas where you're promised the funding that will land to the HSE. Then it's it lands with particular constraints it goes through a long elongated uh, tender process and let's be clear and um, there's a lot of organisations doing really good uh, work but the fact is sometimes it suits bigger organizations to be able to apply for this and you know the main mm. HSE is sometimes more co- uh, Well, I
4: thought that was so the job of the implementation board which is why we asked them to speak to us today as well, I say because we of need annually. a solution
7: that's yeah. just it's as simple can as that and I this say, has gone on too long can,
4: okay can I, I, very quickly sorry, Jackie because I've run over over yes. time.
1: On the tendering process, um, it is absolutely uh, having a negative effect on uh, interagency work um, because it c- makes people compete for each other. And we actually had a meeting with the other agencies, the Red Door of Tourism Act in the region uh, before the tender went in to ensure that an organization that had no footprint in Lauderdale uh uh, wouldn't come in, that we would give our families the best chance possible as putting together a tender. And we all agreed to do that. The other groups uh, amalgamated together to put in a tender, paid 4000 to do that. We put in our tender. Neither of, the, neither of the tenders or neither of the applications were successful, which is such a shame.
4: Oh, my God. Right. And, OK, because yes. we were told <laughs> Trolde was uh, to be looked unfavorably. Any applications coming from this region was to be looked unfavorably. Uh, OK, uh, I'm well, sorry we are over time. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah I, 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 was awarded
1: to somebody outside of, outside of the okay. counties with no foot, footprint in the county.
4: Okay, yes. I have to leave it there. Thank you both, though. Apologies for cutting it, it shorter than I think any of us would like, uh, but time has got the better of us. Uh, and thank you, as I say, for joining us. That's Jackie McKenna of Fasten, that's uh, the Family Addiction Support Network, and Sinn Fein TD for Loud, and Least Mead, Warrior Marco. Michael, Michael Reed
0: on, on LMFM. Uh,
4: a public meeting is uh, to be held uh, tomorrow evening in uh, Drum Shanlon Forge uh, to talk uh, about uh, the Kellystown Wind Farm. This is a proposed 50 megawatt project in an area. The the company behind uh, this, EDF, say, is approximately 8 kilometres north of Drogheda. It's an elevated area of ground on an east-to-west orientated ridge known as Caranbrega. It will consist of eight turbines and power more than 35 homes when complete but there is concern locally let's speak now to ray dunna who's a spokesperson for the kellystown monaster boys wind action group good morning ray and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the program uh, this morning you're asking people to meet with you tomorrow evening to discuss what is being proposed here uh, and there is some concern i think it's true to say
8: Yes, absolutely, Michael. How are you? And thank you very much for for giving us the opportunity, I suppose, to to spread that to, to spread the word. Uh, I suppose the the, the main, there, there are lots of concerns, and first of all, I suppose there are lots of very positive things, obviously, about re- renewable energy, and we absolutely, absolutely have no doubt that that is the way to go, and that is the way we need to we what 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 we need to do, and to, and to get ourselves as much green renewable energy as we possibly can. However. I suppose one of the main concerns is uh, if you're you're familiar with the the Drumshallon area, uh, the the, the proposed development is is actually to be located uh, in Drumshallon area and not Kellystown. Kellystown is a a handle that they've put onto it for Mm. whatever reason, but uh, it's it's very close to and right beside an active blasting quarry. So that's kind of a major concern with, 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 with regard to safety. So if you think that they're proposing to put, erect uh, eight, up to eight, uh, 180 meter tall uh, wind turbines in this area, right beside uh, a bla- an active blasting quarry, which is kind of the only uh, existing, uh, the only working quarry uh, in County Loud, uh, supplying uh, um, stone and, and, and concrete for, for, the, uh, for, the, for the greater Loud area. And I suppose the, all of the other concerns that we would have are similar to concerns so can, that. Can I just ask you about
4: that, Ray? Uh, how could that? How could the turbines impact uh, negatively on the quarry? I just don't understand that.
8: Okay, so well, well, for, well First of all, the, the, the fact that you've got an active blasting quarry and the quarry blasts every week. Mm. So if if, if they propose to put eight of these 180 meter tall structures uh, on site uh, very close to the quarry site. Uh, the the dishes on on the dresser in the, in my kitchen uh, rattle and shake when when the blast takes place okay. every week.
4: You think they might blow so, the turbines up? <laughs> so, bring well, them down? Not, yeah.
8: not not blow them up, but, on, but how how could they um, be absolutely sure? Because there there are there are no uh, wind turbine uh, or power plant factories uh, that we can find anywhere in the world um, that are located right beside an active blasting quarry. Okay, so. Undermining the foundations of those particular 180 mm. metre tall structures. So over they may a come down. You're period. worried that they'd fall. So well, it's mm. it's, it's 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 possible. And yeah. I, I, okay, I, I come from an engineering background, but I am not an explosive expert. Mm. But that would be a, a, a major concern. Okay. And then if you if you add into that, then the usual concerns that come with um, uh, wind turbines, you have the whole story of uh, shadow flicker. Mm. You have the whole story of noise. Mm. You have uh, devaluation of people's property. Right. Nice. The, the, the list is quite extensive. A, and, a lot and, and, and,
4: and do you believe that it's close enough to people's homes to do that? Uh, I mean, the impression about it being on an elevated piece of ground uh, is that uh, it, it's at the top of a hill.
8: Well, well, okay. So here you go. If you look at the wind map of Ireland, and you look at the at, at the uh, the proposed site that they that they're talking about um it as i say it's very close to, the, to, to to the quarry, but the the they do not actually need elevated site in order to construct these the, these turbines in order to get the maximum benefit out of them. They need to have obviously a very very good throughput of wind so this area is is as far as I can understand is is like a natural wind tunnel, so it doesn't necessarily require them to be on and Elevated site. Okay, but it but, does
4: say that the proposed site is an elevated site on their yeah, website. Yeah, do that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. and the
8: funny mm, thing about mm. it is, the quarry is actually uh, extending uh, as we speak, and the quarry is, is is obviously looking for more material, and as they extend the quarry site out, that that elevated site, as far as we can see, is becoming lesser and lesser and lesser. Okay. So, but but mm. the, but I think the key point to that is they don't actually need an elevated site per se Okay. because this this area is is, is, is like a natural wind tunnel. So Fair enough. Uh,
4: and I, d- I don't mean to be arguing the point with you, mm. um, but the company out here, and just making the point that they yes, say... no, no, and I accept that. Absolutely. And they state on their website that the, the yes, proposed site it is, it is, is it, an elevated yeah, site. Yeah. And they also yeah. say that they're going to carry out environmental studies uh, which will look at ecology, noise, landscape and visual assessments. When yes. the results of them come back to the company they're going to uh, go into a period of consultation with the local community.
8: Well, but that's it. It's, it's rather strange. Uh, so on the on the on the twenty eighth of October or the eighteenth of October, should I say? Well, we got a call uh, from EDF. That's the first time we heard anything about this uh, proposed uh, development. That this proposed development has probably been in the making for probably about I, we can't be sure, but mm. probably five, six, seven years. It's been they've, they've been working away on this they uh, at that initial uh, call to the house uh, at eight, at seven o'clock on on, on the eighteenth of, of october uh, the representatives of the media were very clear that they would have a uh, a public uh, town hall meeting for the for the community sometime in quarter one of of this year so that's sometime t- towards the end of march Th- that never happened so when contacted uh, they
7: All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch.
9: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG.
8: ...said that there were still carry work, that but the funny thing about it is, there are days uh, for submitting their planning application is sometime in the end of towards the end of December. But they haven't moved that particular date.
4: Right.
8: However, the time that we have to kind of, if you like, synthesize and to pro- process all this information is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter, shorter. So we do not have the full information yet as to where exactly these, these, these uh, t- uh turbines are going to be mm. located. And you and also keep in mind, and when you say that it's, it's, a, it's a small rural community eight, eight kilometres north of Drogheda, it's a small rural community with 375 homes. Now, that's the important word, homes, that are within two kilometres of this proposed development. And if you, if, you, if you use the yardstick of three people per home, so you're talking about uh, 1,200,000 people living in these homes who will be directly... Uh, affected by or in in the line of sight of this proposed development Mm. Uh, which is going to be in situ for at least 20 years.
4: It looks like the proposal comes with a a commitment uh, to invest in the local community. They're talking about a community benefit fund.
8: Yeah, and that that is nothing new to uh, all of these developments. Every single one of these developments, if you look at all the proposals around the country, every single one of them, they're obliged to have a community benefit fund. And I would contend very strongly. Like, would you be be prepared to sell your soul for a couple of bob to put jerseys on the back of of a couple of of local football teams or whatever? And I'm not picking on football teams, but that's one example that just comes to mind. It's a small amount of money for a big price to pay for a huge possible impact on a on a on a small rural community to have. What is what is in essence. A large industrial facility built in the middle of the country. Okay, uh, and so, how, that doesn't seem equal to me.
4: And you talk about the 375 homes uh, in the locality. How people feel, each of the three people, if you like, in, in those homes, how they feel, uh, is not fully clear at this stage, is it? And I, I think that's the purpose of your meeting tomorrow.
8: That that is the purpose of the Mark. You're, you're absolutely right. We we had it. We had an initial meeting, and we had about 100 people attended that, and we got kind of got a feeling from that. And then, you know what, we, we decided that the best thing for us to do as a group was to not shoot from the hip and not to be seen as people who were against stuff just for the sake of being against stuff. We thought, you know what, I, I, it, it was the furthest thing from my mind, I have to say. On on the, on the 18th of October, I was getting ready to go to the to the cinema club in uh, A wind turbine or a wind power planted factory in the middle of my of, of, of the countryside where I live was the furthest thing from my mind. So we've, we've, we've been very considered and we have sat back and we have done some research and we've done some lots and lots of thinking and we've thrown the idea around. So before we made any public pronouncements, as well, this is the first time we've we, we really gone public with it, uh, we wanted to be absolutely certain that we, were, that, that we were telling a good story and a true story and a factual story and not just emotional stuff and not just bluster, but it was considered uh, thought that we were going to offer people. So hopefully we get a good attendance tomorrow night and that we'll get an opportunity to uh, tell our story.
4: OK, that's at a, a quarter past eight uh, tomorrow evening. At we a really. quarter
8: past eight in the, in the Forge in Shalom.
4: OK thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Ray Dunna spokesperson with uh, the Kellystown Monaster Boys Wind Action Group. Let me bring you some of uh, the comments coming to us uh, today. A Navin listener texting us early this morning. Apologies for taking so long to come to your comment. He says, why aren't the Garda enforcing the law on drinking and drug taking in public? It takes an incident like Sutton beach to highlight this type of behaviour. The ramparts in Navin is an ongoing spot for drinking, littering, and there have been assaults on people who were out walking there. Plenty of laws, plenty of talk, but no enforcement. Why not? asks our Navin listener. On uh, climate change and cutting emissions, if we hit our targets on emissions... Uh, Whatsapper asks, how many degrees will the Earth's temperature drop by? I I think the point is uh, what difference will our little bit make? Uh, I think... uh the answer some people would give uh, our caller is we have to do our bit, even if it is only a little bit. Uh, we'd uh, somebody else, uh, John Conlon in Ballymackenney, texting a lot of farmers considering paddy rice fields instead of potato fields. Uh, after listening uh, to the interview at the start of the programme, you sent us that text and thanks for doing it. Uh, Michael Angela here, I watched a programme on BBC last week and it was vegetable growers, and all the potatoes for chips are coming from England and half of our vegetables. Like, what. Uh, are they trying to shove down people's throats? Why are they stopping us from growing our own food? Thanks uh, for that, Angela. I think we've always used English potatoes for chips. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think Irish potatoes are probably too good for chips. Uh, Cahill and Mornington says, I have to laugh when uh, the Green Agenda always cite protecting the future for children. I'd like to ask, are these the same children who destroy our beautiful beaches and coastal areas with their rubbish? Mornington has never been dirtier with sweet wrappers and empty fizzy drink bottles the children around here don't give a monkeys about their environment says Carl. thank you indeed for that uh, and indeed to everybody who's been in touch with us if you'd like to comment on the programme our telephone number is 0419832000 text or whatsapp 086-180-658. email michael at lmfm.ie Michael Reid Reed on LMFM. Uh, Sinn Fein's uh, American branch, Friends of uh, the Earth, spent $118,126 on advertising and promotions in American newspapers, hoping for a border poll. The Irish Times reported last week that the adverts read. The British government continues to break its obligations under the Good Friday Agreement. The agreement must be honoured in full. We call on the US government to hold the British government fully accountable to its GFA commitments. We call on the Irish government to establish a citizens' assembly and to plan, prepare and advocate for Irish unity. And it added the future is in the hands of the people. It is time to agree on a date for the unity referendums let the people have their say let's discuss this now with local TD for me the star O'Rourke and uh, Fine Gael Senator Emer Curry, who is uh, the Fine Gael spokesperson in Shannad Erin on Northern Ireland good morning to both of you and thank you indeed for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning what is uh, the objective in gaining support for uh, a border poll in the United States from Sinn Féin's Perspective, Darren O'Rourke.
3: Well, I think it's uh, it, it has been long been the been the practice of, of Irish republicans uh, to engage internationally. We've um, seen that as, as far back as. You know 1798 and 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 it, as i say it, it has always been a feature um of course the, the influence of the united states and irish america was really very important in the delivery of the, the good friday agreement and the peace that we now live with um
4: we but saw are, it again are you hoping for pressure to be put on the irish and english governments from american politicians
3: no, I think there's, a, um, I think there's the, the, the Irish America and the American influence is, is really important. And I, as I was saying, we saw it in the delivery of the Good Friday Agreement. I don't think we mm. would have had a Good Friday Agreement without the American influence, I think.
4: The, Are you saying the, we wouldn't have a border poll without the American influence? And that's exactly my question. Have you lost the argument here? Are you trying to win it there? And then for the Americans to bear influence on Irish and English politicians, British no, politicians?
3: No, no, I, no, I don't think they're, they're both the same. I, I think it's important that we do, Leverage the American influence. I, I, I don't think that necessarily. In fact, I don't think it means that we've lost the argument here. Uh, we will continue to pursue. I, I, I suppose it's it's that thing in politics, uh, Michael, where you look at every, you, you you campaign in every arena that's available to you, and and that's what what Sinn Féin do. And. I don't think people would expect us to to, to apologise for that. I don't think people mm. would be surprised in relation to it. All of this is is uh, completely within the rules of of, of politics. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm not suggesting various.
4: otherwise. I'm just uh, asking why you're trying to influence uh, Americans uh, when this essentially has nothing to do with uh, Americans. It's uh, a decision that could be made by the two governments. Uh, let me go to no, Senator no, Currie on that note, because I take it there's little appetite for a, a border poll here at the moment, Senator Curry.
5: Um Well, good morning, and thank you for having me on. And just to say, I think when it comes to uh, the ads in the US, I think it, it's also about showing that the amount of money that the Friends of Féin are amassing is being spent um, in the US and is not being spent here. So, you know, this is a big PR uh, exercise, and it is about creating noise. But um, I I just think the focus, Sinn Féin's focus, is is wrong. Um, It it, it shouldn't be about uh, preparation for a border poll. It should be about doing the groundwork for a united and shared Ireland. And that is where the Irish government are. And and we are doing uh, plenty of work. Well,
4: the, the ad calls on the Irish government to establish a, a Citizens' Assembly.
5: Yeah, it, it it does, and it also presents a picture that if the British government break obligations um, in the Good Friday Agreement, that, that we can simply walk into unity. And, and it doesn't but that,
4: that would be the action. objective of a Citizens' Assembly, to tease out those issues. You say we're doing the groundwork. Surely doing the groundwork means exactly what Sinn Féin called for, to establish a Citizens' Assembly.
5: But the Citizens' Assembly isn't going to cover the depth and the scale of the work that is involved in constitutional change, in creating a new constitution. We have seen Citizens' Assembly used on singular issues and it just simply isn't going to work when it comes to the amount of work that needs to be done.
4: Well, I don't imagine Sinn Féin uh, is suggesting uh, that that is the case. Or are you, Darren O'Rourke? No, we're not. That's exactly
5: what they're suggesting is... Calling a citizens assembly. I, don't
4: that co- I don't think that they're. I don't think that they're yeah. suggesting. I don't think they're suggesting that a citizens' assembly would draw up a new constitution. Uh, well, let, let, let Darren O'Rourke respond to that, maybe.
3: No, and I, I think that you know the, the suggestion from Emer there that, that Sinn Fein's focus is wrong and uh, focusing on the singularity of the ads in the United States. Actually, Sinn Fein are are campaigning in every available forum that that is before us. To make the case uh, and we contested recent elections on in, in the north about making politics work in the north but also to to show and it has been shown that the demographic and political change the momentum towards Irish unity so so what mm. we need but is the, the resistance
4: government. is as strong as ever and it is inevitable that if you were to hold a border poll in uh, the foreseeable future uh, that you would see a return to violence
3: but 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 here's the question
4: what, what? well, don't ignore the point please
3: <laughs> no 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 and I, I think Michael like we, we cannot and and first of all i, I don't necessarily agree that the you know that the threat of violence is 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 anything more than a threat but also we shouldn't be held to ransom by by uh, by, by by threats in any shape or form there's democr- we live in a democracy there is we have a good fight agreement that says that there's a, a democratic way towards um, sharing this island, no, I I some yeah. of that might might be, but but also what what does preparing for Irish unity look like? Look at the look at the changes in elections in in, in recent years in the north. It, it is clear to anybody that's paying attention that there is a significant change in terms of politics there, and also in terms of the demographics, the the makeup of the population. Any responsible government in Dublin would recognise that and prepare for it. They would, for example, establish a Citizens' Assembly. They would publish Mm. a white paper on Irish unity. They would establish a joint Oireachtas Committee on Irish unity. They would pursue...
4: Okay, let's go back to Eamon Curry. Michael,
5: can I talk about what we are actually doing? Yeah. Uh, Because this is the work that we are doing as part of the, the Shannon... And uh, we had a public consultation that was under uh, a been a, a full chair. We had over 50 stakeholders come in,
2: academics, trade unionists,
5: economists, and other countries that have experienced this, like Scotland and Germany, use the organisations to discuss how to approach the preparation for constitutional change and what shape that might take. If we were talking about an Eroptis Committee. Well, the Good Friday Agreement, Eroptis Committee, which has northern MPs, Uh, Included in in that committee is discussing this. We are working on an inquiry into constitutional perspectives, and we're delving more deeply into the work
4: that was done. But twelve of the twelve of the eighteen MPs in Northern Ireland uh, 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 responded to that and and attended the Good Friday Agreement committee meetings. Uh, Those who didn't, the six who didn't, are the Unionist MPs.
5: Absolutely, and uh, we wish that they would uh, participate in any conversations around a shared or a United Ireland. But at least we do have the MPs uh, from uh, that are in, in alliance, it should be in, in the SDMP, they are taking part. Uh, and that is an erotic committee. And, and Cynthia never seemed to mention the work that's being done under the shared island unit. There is a disconnect between systems and how things work in our new uh, jurisdictions. And we were doing the research uh, into childcare, into education, why there are early school leaders, into the economy, into energy. So that was talking a great uh, a game about uh, our Citizens' Assembly but you actually need the content to put in front of the Citizens' Assembly. We're, we're building uh, infrastructure and bringing communities closer together. We created a, a forum where people can talk about what the future looks like, away from being put into pigeonholes and away from stereotypes, and that is where the North is moving. And Darren isn't mentioning that that the North is becoming more pluralist. It's harder to stereotype people and what they want, and, and, and that is, I think, the worst. Is it possible?
4: That. Is it possible for you to uh, imagine a, a time uh, where we could hold a border poll without violence?
5: Oh, of course, uh, of course, I believe that, and, and I mean, I am originally from Tyrone, and so you know, I, I would feel very passionately about that. I think that's what we should be working towards, and uh, we should be we should be approaching constitutional change in the most inclusive way possible, and not in a superficial way that I believe should be in our.
4: Okay, Darren O'Rourke. Well,
3: every time we hear from the leadership in Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, we hear now is not the time. Now is not the time. And actually, when when Eimer talks, there it's clear that the the efforts are not been made to actually have the debate, to have the inclusive debate. And I think a citizens assembly. We've a citizens assembly was good enough for repeal the 8th, for for marriage equality, for a range of. Uh, constitutional issues that were contentious and difficult. I think it is, you know, a model that has been used incredibly well and effectively in Ireland more than anywhere else to to bring disparate voices and different voices, different perspectives around the table and to to carve out a way forward, recommendations, proposals. I think it is a, a hugely uh, effective vehicle for just the type of discussion and debate that that we need to have in this country to address a very significant uh, questions that people understandably have around what constitutional change might look like. And I think, you know, the fact that that Emir and Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael point anywhere but to a Citizens' Assembly, anywhere but to uh, a white paper, or an Irish unity, tells you everything you need to know.
4: All right. Um, you...
5: and, and look, I, I, I think this is another exercise in uh, denying the work that is actually happening. Uh, we are showing that what we are doing can be built up and built on for the future. Nobody is saying that Citizens' Assemblies will play a role at some stage but we're not ready for them at the moment.
4: Um, can I just Do we need American help? help? Can I ask you that, Imer Korea? I mean, whatever about Sinn Féin uh, advertising uh, in papers looking for support, uh, is that something that our, our politicians should be doing with American politicians?
5: Look, I think we've always... Well, sorry, going back to John Hume's uh, uh, engagement of America in, in going back to the 1970s and, and the 1980s, Involving the US and the EU is is an important part of this. Of, of course, it is. But can I just say this is also a distraction tactic from the work that should aren't doing to appeal to people for uh, a United Ireland? If you look at the at um, the economy and the economy will play a, a massive part in people's decision making. This the decision about whether or not people vote for United Ireland will be a lot of it will come down to, to mm. the persuadable. Um, and since Sinn Féin has have been, have uh, uh, been in power in the north, after the Good Friday Agreement, we have seen a productivity gap between the north and south of 40%. And that isn't just uh, because our economy uh, is doing well, because the productivity gap is, is 0.2% uh, growing in the south. It's actually the decline in the north uh, that's contributing most to that of 1.2%. And be in do don't focus on that. They don't focus on the investment that's needed, the okay. jobs that are needed, the investment in skills. If they put half as much energy into... Uh, creating an economy that would persuade the persuadables and undecided. That would be more
4: effective than constantly calling for a border poll. I'll ask ask Darren O'Rourke to respond to that in a a moment. Before I do I want to kind of conclude by asking you both uh, the same question Uh, yourself uh, Senator Curry, to begin with uh, do you believe you'll live long enough uh, to get the opportunity of voting in a border poll and if so when do you expect that will be?
5: Um, I do very much hope so, um, that I that I'll see a United Ireland in my lifetime, and and look, I'm optimistic that it can happen in the next ten to twenty years.
4: Okay, Darren work, same time frame?
3: Yeah, no, I I'd like to see a border poll happen by the end of the decade, and I would surely like to to live and for my children to live in a in a United Ireland, um, as I'm sure very many people in in Ireland would. To come back to the issue of of. Uh, making the, war, the North work. Um, no party is more committed. Uh, I have to say it's Rich coming from or Our party doesn't contest elections in the North, nor do, do Fianna Fáil no party is more committed than Sinn Féin and we've received the mandate to make politics work in the north and on this island and we will continue to do that.
4: Alright, we'll leave it there. Thank you both indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Sinn Féin TD for me, the East Aaron O'Rourke and uh, Fine Gael Senator Eamur Curry, the Fine Gael spokesperson on Northern Ireland in Shanadairn.
0: Michael
7: Reed
4: Reed on on LMFM. We use Maris Pipers for chips mainly grown in England uh, says a Whatsapper. Thank you indeed. Uh, I I think uh, it's uh, a long tradition as bizarre as it it sounds uh, that we use English potatoes to make chips and always have done in uh, this country. Uh, I think the only reason I knew that, uh, and I wasn't even sure of it, but I think the reason I knew it was because uh, when Brexit was first being talked about uh, there was concern that we run out of chips <laughs> I don't think the Irish bud is uh, appropriate uh, or uh, suited to making chips as we know them uh, and the Maris Pipers, are callers as uh, they are from England. So thank you in- indeed uh, for that uh, piece of information uh, We're talking about these uh, wind farms and um, uh, text WhatsApp message from Neil uh, Why would Louth County Council allow a French power plant company to build something twice the height of the Boyne Bridge on the site of a blasting quarry if uh, that quarry closes think of the jobs that will be lost and all of the concrete we need to build our houses and roads gone makes no sense at all to Neil who says safety before profit please Uh, and he also says it's interesting to think that these things are never proposed in Dawky or Fox Rock uh, where there'd be a load of lawyers to oppose them. Uh, they target places like Monster Boyce uh, where they'll face less resistance. And he says that's telling in itself. Thanks uh, indeed uh, for that, Neil. Uh, we uh, Somebody else in touch with us uh, about that as well, following on from the conversation that we had with Ray a, a little bit earlier on. Mary was in touch. She says mainly uh, foreign wind. Uh, companies uh, who are trying to set up here. Uh, they've lots of money uh, and uh, they donate it uh, to communities. Uh, she feels like that's trying to buy support uh, for the project. Uh, we would Liz in touch with us, uh, a text message from Liz as well. She says, yes, we need green energy, but not at the sake of people's health. Uh, be it mental health or physical, uh, our government has said that they're in a race for the implementation of wind energy. Uh, they and energy companies cannot steamroll over communities and councils to install these uh, large structures. Um, now um, we'd uh, another text uh, from somebody. Uh, who uh, says uh, I hear politicians on again this morning speaking about the Citizens Assembly being the answer to all of our ills uh, I have an idea let's have a Citizens Assembly on politicians salaries and expenses that's jack and loud thank you indeed uh, for that now as you've been hearing uh, retained firefighters have started a campaign of industrial reaction over recruitment and retention Karen O'Loughlin is uh, the CIP2 divisional organiser and a uh, very good morning to you, Karen. Thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. This is uh, the first of a number of steps that ultimately could lead to all-out strike.
10: Yes, it is indeed. Um, This is the first week of industrial action, uh, which will be a series of non-cooperations with everything outside of emergency calls. And from next Monday, if the matter remains unresolved, then there will be a series of um, Stoppages that will see probably only 50% of retained fire stations operational. Uh,
4: And what does that mean? Uh, If there's a fire and an emergency call, will your members respond?
10: Well, our members will respond to emergencies that are real emergencies, I suppose, that are where there's a threat to uh, life or a threat of injury. Uh, I suppose not every 999 call is an emergency. So there will be, um, have to be a lot of cooperation between the strike committees and the management to ensure that what needs to be covered is covered because of the nature of their job. Um, having industrial action or disputes is very, very difficult for them. Mm. Uh,
4: and the week after next, if there isn't a resolution to the dispute, it's all out strike. What does that mean in terms of responding to uh, emergency calls?
10: Well, there, there is a national protocol for emergency services where a minimum level of cover needs to be provided. So our strike committees will be spending a lot of time talking to management about what that means. They um, There will have to be minimum cover, but it can't be a full service because that defeats the purpose of industrial action. These uh, firefighters are to the pin of their collar already. They don't have enough staff or proper crewing. They're working. They're on call 24-7 They have no structured rest breaks. The system they work under is archaic, and that needs to change.
4: Hmm. Right. Uh, And where is the solution to all of that? Is it more personnel?
10: Well, there is the government commissioned a report um, on the retained fire service, and there are a number of very good recommendations on that report. There was some engagement um, with the employers around the implementation of that report but it didn't come to anything. So where's the point in doing a report if you're not going to implement your own recommendations? I mean, that's where the solution of this lies.
4: Okay, Uh, and what happens uh, next in terms of negotiating a resolution? Where are we at in terms of talks?
10: Well, we're not any place. There are no talks at the moment. There were, the firefighters originally balloted for action back in January, and they deferred their action to allow for talks, but those talks didn't come to anything. So I don't see that doing the same again would be tactically sensible. So unless something significant and serious is tabled for the firefighters, this dispute is going to continue.
4: Right. Uh, So you uh, would expect it uh, to get to the stage of all out strike?
10: Well, I'm not very optimistic at this point in time that that can be averted now.
4: All right. Um, Can I ask you about uh, water services? Uh, There was uh, to be strike action taken today by local authority workers, uh, but uh, the Minister wrote to SIPTO on Friday evening uh, and uh, conceded to your demands.
10: Effectively, yes, that's what happened. We needed uh, particular assurances around the retention of regular and rostered overtime and allowances, and the Minister very, very clearly. it out in his correspondence on friday that those things would be retained and those monies would be retained and that allowances would be retained as allowances um and that was what we needed that was the commitment that was given originally in the framework document for the future of water services so people were really only putting the pressure on for the government to agree to pay what they had already agreed if you like mm. so we are satisfied now that that dispute is
4: resolved now, right, because there could have been a situation from today onwards uh, that water wouldn't have been coming out of some taps, but that is resolved fully now at this stage.
10: Yes, it
4: is. Yep. Perfect. Okay, thank you, Karen. Uh, thanks uh, for joining us uh, this morning and we'll uh, obviously uh, keep a, 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 an eye. I'm sure uh, everybody will be very interested uh, to see what happens next with uh, the retained firefighters, Colonel O'Loughlin, 2 Divisional Organiser. Now, let's go to James O'Neill. Uh, a resident in Drogheda. Uh, James, good morning to you and thank you indeed. Thanks for your WhatsApp message and the photograph uh, that you sent along with it. Maybe you describe uh, the uh, scene uh, that you photographed uh, and sent on to us.
6: Okay, it's the space of the park at the bottom of Bratmonde Hill. We can walk around all the flower things. And what's there is the lifeblocks stand and hold off. And the whole
4: thing just ported a Chris. The this is the uh, life boy holder in Dominic's Park. Uh, the line is very bad, James, uh, but it, it was burnt oh, yeah. down. Yeah, yeah,
6: it was burnt down. Yeah, the life buoy holder ported a crew. Another trouble for to that uh, any had. Okay. The so life is is an ongoing issue because I cycle out here every day and I'm constantly picking them up, putting them in, tying the ropes back into them properly, and all that kind of stuff they're obviously pulled out of them and everything right. sometimes you see them floating in the river I think they need to tie it to the fence or something or something you just leave it floating in the water you
4: know yeah well done if that's what you're doing um, because yeah well
6: you see me every day you I actually if, yeah. I if someone's talking about I just check them you know
4: yeah Fair play. The the, the, the line is really awful, James. Um, I'm I'm
6: sorry,
4: I'm I'm, I'm going on the river. Oh, no, I understand. I I understand. Um, But it is very hard uh, for people to hear what you're saying. But uh, I I think people will have got the idea. Someone went to the trouble of. Uh, Was the life. The life boy is still there, is it itself? No, no, no. The whole
6: lot's gone. The
4: whole lot's gone. So, so, so the life boy and the holder and all that's left are the ashes. It, it, it looks like a, a cross or something at this stage because it yeah, doesn't. it does
6: actually, yeah, yeah. So it's the cross of death for somebody, unfortunately. Okay. You know, and hopefully not. You know.
4: Yeah, uh, uh, well, you
6: know, it's a disgrace, absolute disgrace. You know, this is what we're coming to. You know.
4: Yeah, but, but whatever the attitude is of people, that they would think should sure, will burn that down. That'll annoy somebody. I think the only motivation could be to annoy people.
6: Yeah, obviously.
4: OK, yeah. well, and and you're annoyed. So. I don't, I,
6: I, well, I don't, I'm not taking the, the, the action as personal against me, but, no. you know, but uh, it, is, it's, yeah, it is
4: annoying. Oh, yeah, well, you're annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm sure people yeah. listening are annoyed. Uh, it's dreadful yeah. to see such uh, an attitude uh, that you'd burn down something that's been put in place to save lives. Uh, just very annoying. Uh, they've succeeded. Um, I suppose the next question is, what do we do to stop people from doing that uh, again or whatever else they do with life, boys? What can you do? What, what, what could you do, really, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Do we put CCTVs on boys? I mean, it's just gone beyond it. Oh, yeah. 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 All right, James. All right, listen.
6: I appreciate
4: Yeah, no, thanks for sending it in. Uh, and uh, thanks uh, for coming on as well for that matter. Uh, that's uh, James O'Neill in Drada. Apologies to you listening uh, about uh, the quality of the line. Uh, I, I know it was dreadful, but, God, I mean... Uh, I don't know Um, it was uh, worth bringing James on to tell the story Uh, it is a site uh, I presume we'll see pictures on social media or something uh, but it looks like a a burnt cross it's just black charred uh, piece of of, of wood that's the way it looks at the moment but it, it was uh, the structure for holding the Lifebuoy the life Lifebuoy has been burnt it's gone completely and it is dreadful that's in Dominic's Park in Drogheda thanks as I say to James O'Neill for phoning that into us
0: Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM,
4: LMFM. Now as is usual around this time on a Tuesday for our weekly visit to the Garda Crime Desk As usual Garda have a number of incidents uh, that they're investigating locally and perhaps you can assist uh, with uh, those investigations Garda Kate Patterson of uh, the Community Policing Unit in Dundalk joins us for this week's report And we're going to begin with an appeal for information into a fatal road traffic collision.
9: That's right. Morning, Michael. Um, To start off with you, currently attached to to the community unit in a road traffic collision which resulted in the unfortunate death of an elderly pedestrian in Drogheda on the afternoon of Thursday, the 25th of May. Just after two PM, members of the community engagement tuned who were conducting a mountain bike patrol on Westwood came across the elderly pedestrian who had been struck by a vehicle whilst crossing the road. The first aid was provided at the scene by Gardie and passing off duty nurses before the arrival of advanced paramedics, who treated the pedestrian before he was transported and by ambulance to early Louis Hospital, where regretfully he later passed away due to the injuries he had received guardian daughter would like to speak to anybody who may have been in West Street at this time. And again, just to remind you, that time was just after 2pm on Thursday, the 25th of May. We would in particular like to speak to anybody who may have witnessed the collision or any drivers who were in the vicinity and may have captured the incident on the glass cam footage. If you can assist the investigation in any way, we would urge you to contact Drawing Guard Station. And the number there is 01. 01-
4: Nine eight seven four two zero zero. Okay, I might uh, repeat some of that information uh, because uh, we're being plagued with bad phone lines today. We've a very, oh. we've a very bad line uh, again. Um, but it's the death of an elderly person, just after two o'clock on Thursday, the twenty fifth of May. Uh, if you were in West Street uh, and you had. Uh, some dash footage or if you saw the accident itself, perhaps you could contact Roda Garda station 0419874200. Uh, we'll try to continue uh, and hope uh, that the line will uh, improve uh, Garda-Patterson, um, but the next incident, uh, another very serious road traffic incident, uh, hit and run that occurred in Dundalk.
9: That's correct, Michael. So Dundalk-Gardee, they're currently trying to identify the owner of a vehicle who reversed into a female at the Tesco Extra car park on Stapleton Place in Dundalk before fleeing the scene. The injured female in this instance was left very shaken and had to be treated for injuries she received as a, as a result of the collision. Now, the incident took place on Tuesday, the 11th of April. I know it's quite a while back, but it was the day before the visit of um, the President of the United States, Mr Joe Biden. It took place at 5pm in the evening um, and took place as the injured female was making her way towards the shops in the mall when a vehicle which we believe possibly to be a black Ford Cougar reversed into her. Um, as he reversed into her, this caused the, the pedestrian to fall to the ground and injure her knee. Unfortunately, this incident wasn't captured on CCTV, so anyone who thinks they might be able to assist the investigation or has witnessed it or is in possession of possibly dash cam or mobile phone footage is asked urgently to contact on Dock Station, the number there being 042. Nine three eight
4: eight four zero zero. Okay, so possibly a Blackford Cougar uh, at five o'clock on Thursday, the eleventh of April. That was the day before President Biden visited Ireland, uh, and uh, this car reversed into a woman at the Tesco Extra car park on Stapleton Place about five o'clock in the evening, Dundalk Rd on O four two nine three double eight four hundred. A burglary next to report on in Faughart.
9: Yes, Michael. So, Carly, attached to dramatic Garden are investigating this burglary, which took place at Lower Fogart on the morning of the 19th of May, sometime between 10.30am and 11.30am. The house that was targeted is close to Fogart National School. And at this point, we believe that the suspect forcibly gained entry to the house via the back door. Um, on entering the house, they made their way to the hallway. Whilst in the hallway, they proceeded to remove the alarm box from the wall before completely ransacking the home. During the burglary, 300 euros in cash jewellery and a PlayStation 4 were stolen and On making their getaway by the rear of the house, the burglars knocked over an ornamental statue and destroyed it too. The, the, the guardians that are investigating this incident believe that the suspects were travelling on foot and were picked up by a car. We do think that having left the scene, they possibly ran through fields in the area before making their way towards the graveyard. A number of other burglaries took place that morning in Castle Blaney and we are looking at the possibility that they could be related. If you were in the Fawhart area um, at that time and came across anybody acting in a suspicious manner or driving a vehicle that looked out of place, if get in touch
4: with Damad Gardie, they can be contacted by ringing Dundalk Gardie station. OK, and they were possibly on foot uh, breaking in on Friday morning, the 19th of May, half 10 11 o'clock near the National School. Uh, and uh, local Gardie would like to hear from you if you have any information. A robbery in Clara Head to report on next.
9: Sorry, it's actually a burglary in RG, um, the investigators in RG are appealing for any information which might help them in solving two burglaries which both took place at Tindor Village on the 21st of May, sometime between 11am and 12 noon. took place on a Sunday while the occupants were at mass. The first burglary, the suspects gained access by the back door. Um, they entered the house and caused extensive damage. The house was completely ransacked, up and a small amount of money was stolen. Um, in the second incident, the home that was targeted was accessed with a small window to the front of the property, which had been left open. And in this instance, the burglars made their way to the main bedroom. They ransacked the same, and they took a number of items of jewellery with great sentimental value to the owner. And um, Some of the jewellery included a gold eternity ring and a gold chain with a miraculous medal. Neighbours did report seeing a small dark coloured hatchback vehicle acting suspiciously close to the time of the burglaries. We're still trying to identify this car and its occupants with who the occupants who we believe to be young males. The vehicle we think left um Tenier village and headed in the cattle Lumley direction. So if anybody was in the area and came across this vehicle or anybody observed a group of young men acting suspiciously, please get in touch with RD, the number there being 041 6853222. Two, two.
4: Okay. Firearms holders uh, may need to renew their licence uh, and uh, you'd like to remind them of that.
9: Yes, yeah, so we're appealing to anybody who's the holder of a licensed firearm. We're asking you, check the date of the expiration of your licence, check if it's due for renewal, and if it is due for renewal, please make arrangements to do so with your local firearms officer at your local guard station. We wanted to remind all applicants that the renewals must include a recent photograph, it must include proof of membership of a gun club and or proof of permission to shoot on lands issued by the relevant landowner. Each garden district in the country will have an allocated firearms officer and get in touch with him or her by contacting their local garden
4: station. Okay, and before you leave us some advice uh, for the thousands of people who will be going to Slane Castle for the big concert this weekend.
9: That's right, Michael. So the 83,000 fans we are expecting to attend the Harry Styles World Tour concert which plays at Slane Castle on Saturday. A major regard policing plan will be in operation for the event. And the aim of the day is to keep people safe and to ensure that those who travel to and have an enjoyable day. So if you're going to the concert, we remind you that this is a fully sold out event. You can't go to Slayin unless you have a ticket for the concert. There will be guarded barriers on all approach roads. And if you don't have a ticket, you won't be allowed through. You'll be turned back. Now, the gates for the concert open at 2pm and early queuing just won't be permitted. The first Supporting Act commences at 2.30. If you're bringing any bags, we would say don't bring any bulky bags. Any bags that you're taking must be size A4 or smaller. Please have your phone fully charged and bring battery packs with you if you can. You will need your phone for your tickets. Um, we would urge people to use bus transport where at all possible, there will be shuttle bus services from Drogheda and from Navin starting at 12 noon. The Drogheda service leaves from Drogheda bus station and the Navin service leaves from the new drop-off and pick-up facility St Pat's secondary school. If you're going by car, there are four large official car parks on each of the four main approach roads to lane. And there's
4: a website, event.ie, e-b-n-t-z.ie. dot <laughs> OK, all, all the options there. I, I, I have to cut across because I've run out of time just to say that the village will be closed from 9 o'clock on Saturday morning and there will be access for residents. But that's all we have time for. Thank you indeed, Garda Kate Patterson of uh, the Community Policing Unit in Dundalk. Maggie McGuire Research today. Chris Murray was in the control tower. I'm Michael Godwin. We'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFF. Good morning. goodbye.
3: The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie.
4: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.